1: Internet, you are so beautiful today. My name is Josh Norris. This is the Roto World Football Podcast. As you know, it is the most important podcast in the universe. Today is a special day. The preseason is over. So I'm here with Evan Silva in just a little bit to recap the most important lesson we've learned from each team heading into week one. So that's how we're going to structure it around the week one matchups and again give you the details of what we have learned most. From each team. But before we do that, I do want to remind you that Roto World now has a YouTube page. It is just search Roto World in YouTube. It'll come up. We did round tables with a five-person discussion. We have a two and a half hour live draft. Our podcasts are up there. We also have shorter form videos. So if you are drafting this weekend, I guarantee you you will learn something and it will help you succeed as well. Enjoy this podcast. And if you enjoy it at any moment, subscribe to this very podcast. And if you enjoyed even more than that, go to rotorworld.com slash draft guide to purchase our draft guide and also a season pass, possibly, because that is updating basically each and every day throughout the season, because it's not just the draft where you win, it's also maintaining your roster, pickups, right decisions, things like that. We've got you covered on the season pass. Okay, Evan, we're going to keep this under an hour. Um, Preseason's done. How do you feel?
2: A little sad. Not going to lie, because it's going to be a while before we see Chad Kelly ripping you know, <laughs> ripping moon balls. It's going to be a while before we see Tim Boyle again yep. taking shots downfield. And, you know, hey, sometimes sometimes they get picked off. You know, sometimes when you throw in a double coverage, it gets picked off. Yep. I'm going to miss seeing A.J. McCarron telegraphing pick sixes against the Bears twos and threes. And then when the Bears fours and fives come into the game, A.J. McCarron leads a comeback. I'm going to miss all these things, yeah. but you know, I started my week one matchups column yesterday and I'm, I'm ready for the regular season to be here.
1: Good train is arriving just in time. And I want to remind you, Evan mentioned what he has coming out in week one, starting next week, three podcasts a week. At least we might even add a fourth and we, you know, all the great content over at rotor written. So we're doing the same thing verbally, audio podcast wise. Okay, Evan, let's start off with the Thursday night matchup, which is on NBC. That's Atlanta versus the Eagles. With Atlanta, what's your big takeaway? It's kind of a a mundane, boring preseason for them.
2: Just that Calvin Ridley did not earn a locked-in first-team role during the preseason, I do expect him to play some snaps in Week 1, but I think that Justin Hardy may play more um, just in Week 1. Now, that can obviously change as the season progresses, but it's a reminder that Muhammad Sanu... Locked in as the Falcons number two receiver, Julio Jones, obviously the number one. And Austin Hooper, I think, still has an outside shot to uh, to make a, a third year leap. That often will happen with tight ends. They'll have a couple of
1: slow seasons yep.
2: and then make a leap in year three.
1: And I'm still amazed at Matt Ryan's value at quarterback. Like he is the reason why, Evan, that I'm waiting in quarterback in basically every single league because I'm getting him as like quarterback fourteen, fifteen, sixteen in some yes. leagues, which is bananas to me. Uh, Moving on to the Eagles, a little bit more eventful and eventful because they've dealt with a whole bunch of injuries, not necessarily at the running back position, Evan, but at wide receiver. And I know we both think that Nelson Aguilar is in store for a big year.
2: Yeah, that's my big thing. And Alshon Jeffrey looks like he is going to avoid the reserve PUP list. So he is going to be back before week seven, or at least they expect. You remember last year, the Colts removed Andrew Luck from the reserve PUP list, expecting him to be back. And he never came back. Uh, But Nelson Aguilar right now, one of the biggest screaming values in drafts, um, and he's someone that, and I have a couple of really high stakes leagues coming up. I'm going to be trying to get him, you know, a round or two ahead of his ADP. I think I'm going to be targeting him in the seventh round. I think he can be a difference maker. I think that even before uh, we learned that Alshon Jeffrey was going to miss regular season time, I thought that Nelson Aguilar was going to become the Eagles' best receiver this season. And now I think that, you know, with that extra target bump, uh, he can really make good on that in the box score.
1: For sure. And I, I again want to mention that I think Corey Clement has looked great. And I'm, you know, I'm even more impressed by him each time I watch him. And I know that Jay Ajayi is locked in in many people's eyes, but we know that they love to split that backfield. And it wouldn't be a surprise to see a 50-50 split, in my opinion, Evan, with Corey Clement. But that's more talent because we're not exactly sure. The usage quickly, Evan, I, I do want to follow up with Aguilar. I took him ahead of Alshon Jeffrey in a draft recently and got some blowback for that. He's actually, even though he's he's a smaller receiver from standards in the red zone, he was actually used quite a bit in the red zone, right?
2: Yeah, he led the Eagles in red zone targets in targets inside the ten.
1: There we go. Uh, and Philly's a three-point favorite in that game as well. And again, that's Thursday night on NBC. Okay, Buffalo, Baltimore, let's go there next. Evan, we know Josh Allen is going to be the starter. Is that where you're going with this one, or could it be in the backfield with Lashawn McCoy and his decreased ADP? Ooh, do we know that Josh Allen's going to be the starter? Well, we don't. You're right. I guess. I guess I'm just assuming that.
2: Yeah, I mean, he bombed in that third preseason game. Did you see that game?
1: I did. I did.
2: Oh my goodness gracious, it was bad. And look, the offensive line was bad. But guess what? The offensive line didn't get any better. Exactly. Okay? <laughs> so it's not like they were, you know, missing key guys that they're, they're going to have back all of a sudden in week one. right? You know, you have to get the ball out, Josh Allen. Look, Josh Allen has a lot to learn. That's something that we saw throughout the preseason. That's not a knock on him. He's coming from the Mountain West where, you know, he couldn't he, he couldn't even make honorable mention, right? I mean, who was it? Brett Ripon and Nick Stevens were the first and second team all there Mountain West quarterbacks over Josh Allen. Josh Allen has great talent, okay? But he's got a lot to learn. I think that it's going to be Nate Peterman in in week one, Josh. Who has I'm played really sure.
1: well in the preseason.
2: I know. Hey, he's shown the ability to move the ball. And what they have is a really difficult opening schedule. Week one at Baltimore? Dude, I don't know if you can throw Josh Allen into that. I mean, yeah. I don't know if in good faith you can do that to Josh Allen. Uh, LeSean McCoy has been out with a groin injury. That will be something to monitor. And then they've got Kelvin Benjamin and Charles Clay. I mean, they just... They don't have a whole lot. I think I think you feed Nathan Peterman to the Wolves in Baltimore, and maybe you make the, the switch uh, kind of like last year with uh, Glennon and Trubisky.
1: You and I were texting during that Josh Allen game, and I keep saying this, and I said it last April, he's a pedal-to-the-floor player. And so we saw yep. some of his plays early in the preseason that were successful with that lead foot, right, with that strong arm and athleticism and velocity. But you're going to have – just as many, or maybe even more, negative plays because of that. And again, at least we know what he was at Wyoming is what he is in the NFL, but there's some more there, especially when, again, Nathan Peterman played so well and played within the structure of the offense. LaShawn McCoy, we know he's going to get a lot of touches because he got a lot of touches last year, but this might be his worst supporting cast he's played with, which is something. Uh, Evan, Baltimore is six-point favorites, our six-point favorites in this game. I'm selecting Baltimore in a lot of drafts that include defense's We know Alex Collins is in the backfield. We know that Buck Allen has a role. Um, But Evan, could we see this be the emergence of John Brown for the first time since we all called it after his, what, second year in the NFL?
2: I'm hopeful. You know, again, going back to OTAs in minicamp, he only missed one practice the entire offseason, had a little knee injury in OTAs, returned the very next day. Um, I thought Lamar Jackson got better every preseason game he played. And the Ravens, I think it actually benefited him. The Ravens had five preseason games. Teams hate this. But because they played an the Hall of fame game, they had five preseason games. That allowed Lamar Jackson to play the most snaps of any quarterback in the entire preseason. I thought he progressively got better as August moved along. Uh, but Joe Flacco is going to enter the season as a, a role-secure starter. And then it's going to come down... To his performance, the way that they treated Alex Collins, too, uh, was with kid gloves during the preseason. I mean, he barely played, I think he had maybe two carries yep. all preseason. Uh, and then in the fourth preseason game, they did play Kenneth Dixon and they did not play Buck Allen. So we're going to open the season with Alex Collins as the clear one. Buck Allen is like the third down back. And yeah, I think that. John Brown, I think he'll be a little high, higher variance. I don't, I'm don't, i not sure that he's going to command like 130 targets. But I think that if he gets over 100 and he stays healthy, uh, he can be a guy who flirts with 1,000 yards like we saw him do in his second NFL season.
1: Evan, I think I have zero investment in Michael Crabtree this season. And I'm kind of surprised each draft that he's going pretty fairly early.
2: Yeah, I I don't think, and I've done like a ridiculous amount of drafts, like six hundred or seven hundred. I think I might have one or two, right? Um, and th-
1: that was like probably because I timed out, <laughs> which you're known to do, Evan. Uh, right. And and it really sucks that Hayden Hurst is injured. Really sucks yeah. because he was going to be a a major piece of this offense. And maybe he comes back after three or four weeks and is inserted in the starting lineup. But as we know, those ankle slash foot injuries, especially that involve surgery, tend to be re-injured in the near future um, and have been for skill position players as well, which really sucks. Okay, let's move on to the Bengals and the Colts. The Colts are home favorites by three in this game. Evan, we saw John Ross. He made a play. What do you think about the Bengals, who will run more plays this season, no matter what, compared to their 2017 Mm -hmm. form?
2: Yeah, I'm cautiously optimistic. You know, I was thinking about all the similarities between Joe Mixon and Le'Veon Bell too entering their second season both second round picks in the draft both you know kind of bigger backs who could catch the football Uh, and we've seen Joe Mixon make some great plays in the passing game this preseason both guys who looked sluggish as rookies and then lost a ton of weight entering their second seasons I mean Joe Mixon has lost 20 pounds since um, his rookie minicamp Le'Veon Bell famously lost a ton of weight and has become like almost a different player. Um, you know, I don't, I don't, again, and we've talked about this before, like it's at the, the 99th percentile and it's so unlikely that Joe Mixon could become exactly like Le'Veon Bell, obviously, but it does seem yeah. like a similar career track. Uh, the offensive line has been at least decent uh, in the preseason and A.J. Green is healthy, and John Ross played a ton, and I would say more positive than negative from him in the preseason, and I love the way that they're using Tyler Eifert. It's almost like a late-career Antonio Gates where he's only playing Mm. on passing downs and in the red zone. I like that.
1: Love it, and I I do think that they have improved offensive line play. It's still not a great offensive line play, but anything improved from last year helps, and I know our friend Joe Goodberry mentioned that maybe they should even go full spread and just three wide in every single snap and even have Eifert out there in some situations and just get rid of the ball fairly quickly or take some deep shots. To And A.J. Green looked phenomenal this preseason. We'll see what they do. We'll see what they do. Uh, let's go into Indy. Evan, we still have no clarity on this backfield.
2: Yeah, and with the way that we've seen them run block, I'm just not sure that it's going to matter. And, and when you combine Frank Reich's history of using you know three and even four-man backfields, it's, you know hey, look, you could put Jordan Wilkins at the end of your bench – and see what happens, maybe put Naheem Hines at the end of your bench and see what happens, but certainly no one's going to be usable in week one, and Christine Michael suffered a concussion in the Colts preseason finale, was actually having a great game, and then got concussed, so he's kind of in a race to be ready for week one.
1: Is Ryan Grant a value in drafts, Evan? Are you taking any Ryan Grant? Because on paper, he's the Colts' second wide receiver, but he's available to me in 15, 16, 17 area.
2: Uh, I mean, he's definitely not an exciting fantasy pick, you know, yeah. but I do think that he's a guy who could maybe sneakily give us like 65, seven thirty, and four
1: and value might be the wrong word, but maybe just a, a late round target um, yeah. that, yeah. that a, a dart throw. Okay. Let's go to the Steelers and the Browns, as you would expect the Steelers, despite being on the road are five and a half point favorites in this game. To me, Evan, what stands out is just how good James Conner has looked. I know we haven't seen Le'Veon Bell and we didn't see him prior to the 2017 season. Um, I'm not into drafting handcuffs, but it's pretty clear that if Le'Veon Bell goes down, uh, whoever has the top waiver priority, James Connor might be a league winner for them.
2: Yeah, and if you're in deeper leagues with a deeper bench, you know, where you can put eight or 10 guys on your bench, I definitely think that James Connor and Chase Edmonds, those kind of guys, are roster worthy because at least we know that they have a straight ahead path toward bell cow usage in the event that the starter went down. Um, Whereas in a lot of situations, teams just revert to committees. Uh, But these guys would be like 20 plus touch per game players. The, The injury that I'm watching leading into week one is with James Washington, who did not play in the Steelers preseason finale after suffering, suffering an abdominal injury in the third preseason game and also with Vance McDonald, who missed mm-hmm. almost the entire preseason with a, or the entire preseason with a foot injury. Will he be ready for week one? Cause he's facing the Browns who line up their free safety in Youngstown, Ohio, and also use three linebackers on passing downs, creating massive gaps for tight ends to have career
1: games. Let's go over to the Browns. Evan, every time you and I have, talked this preseason we've talked about david and joku so let's go somewhere else other than him here if you can uh carlos hyde i think has looked great it seems yep. like jarvis landry won't just be used on the underneath portions of the field in the five to ten yard area he'll get down the field as well and josh gordon is back in our lives and went in round three of our live draft Evan.
2: yeah uh carlos hyde is the guy who's really intriguing to me because he um, was like a, an eighth, ninth-round pick for almost the entire offseason, and I think he belongs now in the fifth or sixth round. Browns have a really good offensive line. I mean, yep. Old Regime built a really good, especially interior offensive line. They also locked up uh, Joel Betonio, uh to a long-term contract. He's now playing at, at a very cheap cost. He's now playing left tackle, one of the, the best left tackle contracts uh, in the entire NFL at this point and they were opening massive holes even without kevin zeitler who missed time during the preseason but his back is going to be back for week one and he's probably their best offensive lineman so and they have the dual threat quarterback too which we have seen throughout history you know rg3 alfred morris chris johnson um with you know vince young and Jake Locker, um you know russell wilson and marshawn lynch um you know a lot of backs throughout history have But, you know, Michael Vick and LaShawn McCoy, Tyrod Taylor and LaShawn McCoy, the the rushing efficiency can go up when you have a quarterback that can run the football, um, especially with a creative offensive coordinator, Colin Kaepernick and Frank Gore. And so I and I think that they can benefit like and this can be one of the best run games in the NFL. I mean, it really can with the offensive line, the dual threat quarterback, how well Carlos Hyde has looked. And then I looked at their schedule. First four games, one of the most favorable run defense schedules in the NFL. Uh, so I think that right off the bat, Carlos Hyde is going to be an underrated RB2.
1: Yeah, and we remember towards the end of last year how bad Pittsburgh was at defending the run. And it was their slow linebackers. Because if you have slow linebackers, many times it, it culminates in a slow defense. Yeah. I do want to mention David Njoku. And I know I I do still want to gloss over him. Okay? Because you previously mentioned a podcast that he's kind of on that Travis Kelsey career arc possibly I mean he has the talent to possibly do that and to me why I'm buying in on that plus a talent is a quarterback who in the past has really liked to throw to tight ends into Rod Taylor and again if, if you missed our live draft a reader took Josh Gordon in round three and we kind of discussed why that might be not a value but a a favorable selection because his wide receiver one upside or the other side of that equation as well okay let's go to The Texans and the Patriots, Evan, last year, this was an absolute uh, barn burner in terms of offensive play and points put up on the board. It's a 51 over under as of now. That is the highest of the weekend, if I'm looking at this correctly, but the Patriots are home favorites by at least six and a half. Evan, to me, what stands out for the Texans, Lamar Miller is locked in as a bell cow workhorse back playing like 90 something percent of the first team snaps this preseason.
2: Yep, Deshaun Watson, totally healthy. Uh, Kiki Kuti never did emerge, didn't play at all uh, during the preseason due to uh, a foot injury, I believe. Either foot or hamstring, I can't recall. Um, but, yeah, I mean, this is going to it's gonna be uh, DeAndre Hopkins and then Will Fuller actually battled a hamstring injury late in training camp. He's expected to be week, ready for week one. But I think we're going to come out guns blazing, Deshaun Watson to DeAndre Hopkins, and DeAndre Hopkins should be, you know, one of the most – popular uh, DFS plays at wide receiver in week one.
1: Speaking of Will Fuller, Evan, he's available whenever I'm up on the board, basically in every single draft, and I just don't take him. Because we talk about Deshaun Watson last year not being able to maintain his level of production. At least it's basically impossible to do that. And I would say the same thing possibly for Will Fuller in those same games, right? because it seemed like in those situations he was scoring 50, 60, 70-yard touchdowns And as we know, that's just unsustainable.
2: Sure. I mean, I don't expect him to sustain the rate of seven touchdowns on 13 catches. Uh, (laughs) Right. That's what I mean. mean, But he's still
1: a good player, and we we like him because he's a big play threat.
2: I take him a decent amount. I mean, I do think that Deshaun Watson is a a very aggressive downfield thrower by nature. And uh, Will Fuller is a downfield you know, burner by nature as well. So I think that they go well together. I think what was so impressive about their chemistry last year is that they didn't even practice together. I mean, first of all, Deshaun Watson was with the twos, all last OTAs in mini camp. They get to training camp on day one or day two of training camp. Will Fuller breaks his collarbone yeah, and he's out until week four. And then in week four, he jumps in and, you know, he's catching two touchdowns a game. So, I'm not anti Will Fuller. Really what concerns me more about him is the hamstring injury because I don't I don't like my players to be injured already when I draft them.
1: And I think I mentioned Will Fuller because now I'm sitting here regretting not taking him enough in drafts, is why I mentioned that. Okay, next is the Jaguars and the Giants. Jaguars are on the road, but three and a half point favorites. Speaking of hamstring injuries, Evan. What are we doing about Saquon Barkley, who in many cases is going as the fifth, sixth, or seventh pick in drafts?
2: Yeah, I mean, I don't have him that high. I have him as like the the number eleven, um, which makes me like way behind consensus. It's still like really aggressive for a rookie running back with a hamstring injury. I mean, I, I think that putting him as a first round fantasy pick, but I'm you're never you're never going to get him in drafts if you're using my rankings or if I'm using my rankings. So. Right. So be it, you know, I'll be taking Melvin Gordon. I'll be taking Leonard Fournette. I'll be taking, you Alvin know, Kamara. Christian McCaffrey. I'll be taking Alvin Kamara, you know, I, and I'm I'm totally, totally fine with that.
1: Uh, it's funny because I've been saying the same thing around the office because we've been having our office leagues. And like my ideal start is Leonard Fournette and Christian McCaffrey. And I would even say that I would take both over Saquon Barkley. Then I go and look at your updated top. 150, which is on World right now, and you have, I believe, the exact same thing. Yep. Um, I mean, again, he's so talented that we could look back on this and say, okay, yeah, there's absolutely was a path for success for him to lead the league in rushing this year. But we're also betting and valuing players who have shown it in their past and are getting the workload, and we've seen it in the preseason as well. Yeah. Well, we're we're, we're also we're also
2: process oriented, so we're not going to like look back and be like, oh. Our process was bad there. We're very comfortable with our process. And we also know that we're getting good players in the spot. It's not like we're taking zeros. You know, it's not zero versus Saquon Barkley. It's good player, established player versus Saquon Barkley. Good player, healthy established player versus Saquon Barkley. I'm going to go with the higher probability. I'm going to trust my process. And I I have no, you know, no worries.
1: And one of those names is on the Jaguars. Evan, I have never been so excited to draft a running back that might average 3.8 yards per carry than Leonard Fournette, because I know he's going to touch the ball 20 times. I know that he's going to get red zone work, and I know that he can break off one of those, especially that we saw in the preseason at the second and third level. Now Evan Fournette might not want to run over those players, and he might want to avoid them. And I'm, I'm super pumped about Leonard Fournette's season, especially with the addition of Andrew Norwell in front of him.
2: Yeah, and his uh, third down usage was up in the – season they used him on more third downs than usual uh, so that suggests that they want to use him more in the passing game which is t- should be terrifying for defenses think about Leonard Fournette at 230 pounds you know with friggin Bo Jackson speed coming at you on a screen you know as like a, a 190 pound DB just get out the way okay and then uh, <laughs> on, the, on the offensive line I did a recent podcast with Ross Tucker he had the Jaguars uh, in his second tier and we were talking about which second-tier O-lines might make the leap into first-tier O-lines, and my pick was the Jaguars with the addition of Andrew Norwell, with Cam yeah. Robinson entering a second year. Jeremy Parnell establishes a very uh, solid run-blocking right tackle. The center, Brandon Linder, is, Linder is very good. AJ Can maybe he'll have a breakout year in his contract year. He would probably be the, considered the, the one weakness. Uh, but this is his contract year. but I like the way that, that, you know, it's got full continuity and then you just drop in Andrew, Andrew Norwell and, uh, Warren Sharp also has them with, uh, one of the three most favorable schedules in the NFL this season. So game script is also working in Leonard Fournette's favor. I mean, just a lot of factors. Hopefully that those ankles hold up.
1: Any quick thoughts on Keelan Cole? I forgot that I, maybe it was even on a podcast, Evan, uh, Pat mentioned to me and reminded me that I called him a UDFA version of Marvin Jones because I think that their games are very similar. But I'm seeing him drafted unanimously as the first receiver from the Jaguars roster.
2: Yeah, I have him ranked first. I don't think it's like super clear over D.D. Westbrook. I think we're going to see D.D. Westbrook in the sort of T.Y. Hilton, Victor Cruz slot role. He was 70 percent slot in the preseason. Um, I like that role a lot for him. He can run high percentage routes and he can run vertical routes out of the slot. I, I do think that Keelan Cole right now is probably the favorite for targets on the team. I don't think these guys are going to be consistent week to week. It's going to be a rotation. Dante Moncrief also going to be very involved and DJ Chark is going to be very involved. They use a lot of receiver rotations last year, especially down the stretch where they, they will play four guys. A lot of teams just play two or three guys a lot. They'll play four or five guys, um, and so that's going to hurt their consistency as well. I really think they're better best ball picks, but, you know, you get another injury and they can't rotate anymore, and injuries happen in the NFL, and I, I have them ranked Keelan Cole 1, D.D. Westbrook 2, Dante Moncrief 3, DJ Shark 4.
1: And Austin Saffer and Jenkins might lead that team in red zone touchdown catches as well. Yep. I mean, I would put my money in that. Yep. Okay, Tennessee and Miami. Tennessee on the road are two-point favorites with a 45. Expected point total. Are you nervous about Marcus Mariota's play this preseason, Evan?
2: Um, yeah, yeah, I, I am. And as, as a Marcus Mariota optimist, yep. it, it, it's painful to admit, but um, he has not looked good. He's not looked comfortable. I expected him to be much more comfortable at this stage of the preseason. He was atrocious in the Titans' third preseason game. I don't know why they're not running Taewon Taylor consistently with the ones. Delaney Walker has been injured, um, although he's going to be fine for week one. But, look, you know, we, we talk about the changing offenses almost universally as a positive, but sometimes it takes a year. You know, even when Kyle Shanahan went to Atlanta that first year, they stunk on offense. I mean, they they really weren't very good on offense Um, so it it doesn't always happen overnight and it may take a while uh, for for this Titans to offense to fully come together they also have one of the so they open up the season I think it's Miami and Houston in their first two games which aren't terribly imposing um, uh, opponents from a defensive standpoint but then after that it's like a murderer's row of past defenses like Buffalo the Chargers um, You know, some of the best pass defenses in the league leading into their buy. So if we don't see positivity from Marcus Mariota in weeks one and two, he's li- literally going to be droppable in fantasy leagues.
1: And Derrick Henry and Deion Lewis are absolutely splitting this backfield. Deion Lewis is getting all the passing down work. I think in third downs, it was like eight to two snaps. And that's a small sample size. But we can extrapolate from there. Where Derrick Henry is going to be very successful, Evan, is where we saw him successful last year, is when the Titans are at home and they're favorites, and they're leading in the fourth quarter, and then he just runs around and over defenses to just pick up chunk yards. Um, speaking of Taewon Taylor, Evan, right now, I w- I, I'm would i getting a lot of tweets of people saying, hey, I took Taewon in the last round because of you. I would stop doing that. Until we know more, I would <laughs> stop doing that. Yeah. And in fact, Evan, I would actually take Danny Amendola right now in drafts ahead of Taewon Taylor. So would
2: I. So would I.
1: Yep. Uh, let's keep going with Miami then. Um, why? I mean – We're getting mixed messages here from the Dolphins, and correct me if I'm wrong with this, but we heard from Adam Gase that they want to get him around 15 touches a game, if not more. But then it's not like they've come out and said, oh, yeah, he's definitely our feature back. So where are you going with Kenyon Drake with this? Because in the past, Evan, I've even called him a potential league winner. I know I keep throwing out that term, (laughs) but it's because of where he's going in drafts. The upside and ceiling that he offers, plus the playmaking ability he's already shown at minimal touches in his past. Yeah,
2: I mean, I don't pretend to know, you know, I I don't I don't want to pretend on here. So I have him as RB 16 in full PPR. He almost always goes ahead of where I'm willing to take him. Um, I think that the offense is going to be probably below average at best. Uh, I definitely think that Frank Gore is a threat to his touches. Uh, he has never had more than 133 carries in in college or the pros. So, you know, we we hear all the time about how Christian McCaffrey is going to break down because he uh, because he can't handle this workload. How why do we never hear this about Kenyon Drake? Like people want Kenyon Drake to have this yeah. massive workload, but we never hear that he's going to break down. I don't know. It's just people kind of pick and choose and assign their narratives to the players that they like or they don't like. And with Kenyon Drake, I just don't know. Um, but I do know that he always goes ahead of where I'm willing to take him.
1: I mentioned Danny Andolo is a great value, which I think he is, because there's 290 targets available, and we know he's going to play the slot. Kenny Stills, for the exact same reason, I, if I had to put my money on someone leading that team. Yep. As a top receiver, it would be Kenny Stills. Evan, I've been really enthused by Mike Kosicki's usage. You know, We talk about slow developing tight ends, but it's pretty clear they have a plan for him. He's been running with the ones a lot, but then when they get in goal-to-go situations or in the red zone, they're splitting him out wide and allowing him to work one-on-one with a safety or a linebacker, and it seems like he's going to be a target in that area.
2: Yeah, Adam Gase, dating back to Denver, uh, has always loved those uh, one-by-three formations where you stick three receivers on one side you know your tight end on the other side get him matched up with the safety i think in week one Devonte parker is not going to be ready and it's going to be albert wilson danny amandola kenny stills as their their three receivers and mike Jasicki working as their one tight end
1: before we keep going i need to remind you about draft.com to me best ball leagues are a perfect way to prepare for your season long fantasy drafts your redraft fantasy drafts you know best ball we always talk about it it's just your draft and then your optimal lineup is selected each and every week there are no kickers there are no defenses there are 18 rounds you can go down to four teams that you're playing against six eight ten twelve obviously you'll end up with different rosters in each but it's a great way to experiment it's a great way to test out different strategies if you want to go load up at running back early on if you want to wait the position and figure out what targets are available in the middle rounds again that's draft.com and go to draft.com slash rotoworld enter some money you get a free $3 entry. These ball drafts are going to go all the way up until the start of the regular season, and they're fast. I mean, you can get them done in 30 minutes. They're great. Again, draft.com slash rotaworld. Okay, Evan, let's continue with the 49ers, who everyone is in love with, facing Minnesota on the road. Minnesota's five and a half point favorites at home. Um, it's a tough start for Jimmy Garoppolo. How are we looking at this backfield, Evan? Because in April, in March, in terms of the free agency. We know that they gave Jarek McKinnon a lot of money. Now Jarek McKinnon is injured. Matt Breida hasn't played. So now we have Alfred Morris who is filling in and has shined in Kyle Shahan's system in the past.
2: Yeah, well, they've given a lot of guys a lot of money and they've actually given, you know, traded up for guys and they didn't even end up using. Joe Williams, you know, comes to mind. Um, Dante Pettis it doesn't look like he's going to be a week one starter. You know, they paid uh, Malcolm Smith a bunch of money. You know, I look, they've had they had a lot of money. They've been aggressive, period. And I kind of like the way that they're building their team. Um, But just because they gave Jarek McKinnon a lot of money doesn't mean by any stretch that he's going to be their bell cow back. He's never been a bell cow in the NFL. He played quarterback in college. He I mean, I like him, but I definitely think that there is something instinctive missing from him. He takes. So many big hits for a running back, you know, and that's not something that you like to see he's missed. He's going to enter week one, having missed like three weeks of practice. That kind of stuff matters to coaches. Anyone who's played in on competitive team sports, you know, you don't just jump right back in, you know, for a massive, massive workload immediately after you miss like a month of practice. I mean, that doesn't, that doesn't happen. Alfred Morris going to lead this team in carries Uh, Matt, Matt Breida, suffered a separated shoulder and I mean people really think he's gonna be ready for week one, like to to be a contributor. I mean I, I don't I don't see it, man. Look, I could be totally wrong on this, yeah. but I think that Alfred Morris is the best interior runner on the team. He is the Latavius Murray and Jarek McKinnon is the Jarek McKinnon and that's the best way for them to run their backs
1: Evan I said it yesterday on Twitter and got major blowback that Alfred Morris should be drafted and selected in every single 12 team draft and i in recent drafts i've been doing i've been taking alfred morris in the final round instead of a kicker just to see what comes out between now and kickoff do you agree with all that
2: oh i I love drafting alfred morris i mean i take him every time on play draft in the 14th round every single time is my rb5 or my rb6 i mean he's my favorite guy to draft right now um and i get zero jarek mckinnon um yeah i mean i i think that and and especially in that third preseason game, the 49ers offensive line looked really, really good. Now they were playing the Colts, um, but I, you know, this is going to be a good offense. I think they're going to score a lot of points.
1: Let's go over to Minnesota and Evan. I got to say Mike Boone because Mike Boone, even though he's the running back three is my favorite running back three in the league right now. Uh, Evan, I think the Vikings will only go as far as the offensive line allows them to this year. Stephon Diggs, great player. Adam Thielen, great player. Kirk Cousins paid a lot of money. Kyle Rudolph scores touchdowns. Dalvin Cook, good football player. Latavius Murray can score touchdowns as well. But that offensive line, more than any other team, it seems like, has some question marks as we enter through the season.
2: Yeah, I mean, they lost their left guard already to injured reserve. Nick Easton, Uh, center Pat Elfline, not expected to be ready for week one. They showed their concern uh, because they traded for um, Brett Jones from the Giants. You know, their right guard, Mike Remmers, is converting from tackle. And neither Riley Reef nor Rashad Hill, their starting tackles, are good run blockers. So all that is a concern for the running game in particular. Um, and then I think the biggest story is just the, the split that is going to be coming between Dalvin Cook and Latavius Murray. What are we going to see in week one? Yep. I think we're going to see Dalvin Cook 14 touches, Latavius Murray 12, and Latavius Murray getting goal line short yardage.
1: To those of us who follow the game closely, Evan, we know how good Stephon Diggs is. But I think it's like a legit national breakout season for him, potentially. Like possible top five wide receiver status this year. But we'll see as we keep going. Tampa Bay and New Orleans is up next. NFC South showdown. Saints at home, favored by nine and a half points right now. Evan, to me, what stands out with the Bucks? is Peyton Barber versus Ronald Jones, and it's really no versus because it's the Peyton Barber show.
2: Right. Ronald Jones, <laughs> 28 preseason carries, 22 yards, two drop passes. <laughs> okay. in week, Can they even trust him to put him out there in week one? I mean, or or is it going to be Jacquez? I think it's going to be Peyton Barber and Jaquiz Rogers hmm. that, that played the most snaps in week one. And look, things can change, you know, week to week, but I think it's going to be Peyton Barber and, and Jacquez Rogers and maybe they'll put Ronald Jones out there for like eight snaps I don't know how you could even trust him to play
1: hey Bucks play Chris Godwin just play him see what happens with Ryan Fitzpatrick in this for a few weeks Evan hey
2: Bucks when you draft don't trade up for Roberto Aguayo don't use your first round pick on a run stopping defensive tackle and don't use your next pick on a running back who can't catch
1: and play your good players like Chris Godwin Evan over to the Saints, we know that Mark Ingram is hurt, not hurt, excuse me. Mark Ingram is suspended. We haven't seen much of Cam Meredith. And for a while there, I mean, he got a pretty good contract. Uh, It seems like, one, Ted Ginn is running with the starting unit as the wide receiver, two, But then there's a lot of positive buzz right now on Traquan Smith. Well, Cam Meredith went
2: off in the preseason finale. I did not watch. Yeah, yeah. So, look, I mean, he's out there with Taysom Hill. You know, who I, I can't believe that people thought he was the Saints future franchise do you, quarterback. Do you
1: remember that game last year, Evan, when Troy Aikman and Joe Buck at least four times in the contest talked about Taysom Hill being the backup quarterback and potential heir apparent to Drew Brees? It was ear-wrenching.
2: You know, when I listen to Troy Aikman, and i due respect, okay, the guy, you know, he won Super Bowls, okay, I, I get it. He makes me dumber. When I listen to Troy Aikman, he makes me dumber, so I don't listen to Troy Aikman anymore.
1: It's just uh, auto-mute.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's just totally tune out whatever he's saying, but turn down the volume, you know, yeah. that kind of stuff.
1: What, what stood out to me for that statement, though, is I bet it came up in conversation with Sean Payton or whoever else during the meetings that they had that week, right? But now we right. know it's not the case because Teddy Bridgewater they traded for, and I'm, I'm assuming that at some point they want to work out a long-term deal with him either now or after the season.
2: Well, the the thing is that you know you don't know how those meetings go. Like, right. it could be as small as Sean Payton saying something like, "Oh yeah, we we think he's got a future." Uh, like, you know, referring to Taysom Hill. Right. And and then you know Troy Aikman takes that and oh he's you know he's the future at quarterback for the Saints. You know what I mean? Like we and have coaches no idea go crazy how this
1: with backup ends. quarterbacks who play the in, in special teams. Right. Like it's basically Joe Webb situation we have going on here with Taysom Hill.
2: Who are twenty eight years old. And, right. and stunk at BYU. Right. Right.
1: Um, okay, where are we? Okay, that's Tampa Bay and New Orleans. I guess that's pretty much it for that team. Let's go on to the Chiefs and the Chargers. Chargers home favorites by three points, 47 and a half. Expect point total. Evan, how is Sammy Watkins fitting in this Chiefs offense?
2: I mean, he hasn't fit so far. You know, he's got, what, one catch on seven targets. He's played a lot of snaps. Um I think he's going to be a very, very volatile option in fantasy until he shows that he's not. You know, the chemistry is clearly there with Pat Mahomes and Tyree Kill. And I, I have no concerns about the chemistry between Pat Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. The thing right now, though, is that Sammy Watkins is the cheapest piece of the offense, and his ADP keeps falling. So I'm, I'm taking him. Yeah. And, you know... I, I'm not too worried about it because his cost keeps getting cheaper. I mean, I took him at the seventh, eighth-round turn in a draft last night, and I will continue to do that. This offense is going to have to throw the ball. They're going to have to score points because their defense stinks. I mean, have you seen the cornerbacks it's that awful, they're going to try it out in week one?
1: It's really bad Three
2: right slot now. corners. Three, they, they, they don't really rush the passer. Their run defense hasn't been good in years. Um During the preseason, they had their first-team defense out there uh, consistently because they played their starters a lot, both on offense and defense. Backup quarterbacks like Chase Daniel are leading touchdown drives against their defense. I mean, their defense stinks.
1: Yeah. Let's go to the Chargers. Evan, Melvin Gordon, high workload. Phillip Rivers outside the top ten quarterbacks in drafts, so he's a value-impossible starter that we're drafting. I want to bring your attention. Oh, Keenan Allen, we know he's going to get a ton of targets. Bring your attention to Tyrell Williams. You took him in our live draft, which you can find on YouTube or a previous episode of this podcast. Um, Without a tight end, Evan, do you think he has a chance to see a good amount of volume there in the slot?
2: Well, I think that Keenan Allen is going to lead the Chargers in slot receiver snaps. Tyrell does play in there more than people think, though. Um, I mean, he's like 30-plus percent slot. I, I'm not exactly sure. You know, I wish that he wouldn't have missed the last two weeks with a foot injury. And we could just have a clearer picture of what's going on there. Uh, I do expect him to open the season as the Chargers number two. He's one of the best run-after-catch receivers in the league. He led the NFL in run, uh, yards after catch per reception last year, averaging almost eight yards after catch per reception. Um, I continue to draft Tyrell Williams it seems like no one else wants him because I'll take him in the 14th. And then in the next draft I do, you know, I won't take him in the 14th and I'll see him available like in the 17th. And I'm like, right. am I taking him three rounds too early? So I, I'm not really sure. I it, It's it's kind of like a, a murky situation, but I'm, I'm still taking him.
1: Let's go. To, I think we've hit the four o'clock window games on Sunday. Let's go to the Redskins and the Cardinals. It's a pick'em game. Uh, Adrian Peterson entered in place of an injured and out for the season. Darius Geis. And Adrian Peterson, Evan, seems to have locked down the early down role for the Redskins in that backfield.
2: Yeah, I mean, he's not going to catch passes, but he could score touchdowns. I mean, he could easily score six to eight touchdowns if he stays healthy. I think that offensive line is really good when it is, when it is healthy. We didn't see very much of that last year, but you know hopefully they'll get some positive injury reversion to the mean. And uh, I, I think that Adrian Peterson is well worth taking in the eighth to ninth rounds. I know it sounds kind of gross and it almost sounds wrong but look any guy that has a shot at 200 plus carries and six to eight touchdowns absolutely belongs in the eighth to ninth round at worst
1: for a team Evan that's going to throw a good number of passes to me Jamison Crowder Josh Doxon and Paul Richardson are all going fairly late in drafts
2: they are um they you know they also have to compete for targets with Jordan Reed who's been healthy knock on wood and Chris Thompson, who's been healthy, knock on wood. So they have a lot of weapons there, man, in the passing game. I just don't like the way that Paul Richardson and Josh Doxson's games fit with Alex Smith. Alex Smith did have a great year last year, but he didn't suddenly become a more aggressive thrower in terms of throwing the ball to receivers that are covered. He had a great year because the receivers around him got wide, the wide open. And... <laughs> um, he was willing to throw the ball downfield. That hasn't been his problem. Okay. Yeah. His problem has been his unwillingness to throw the ball when there's a defender in the vicinity. Even last year and next gen stats charts, this last year, they charted 41 qualified quarterbacks in terms of aggressiveness rate. And that's the percentage at which they are throwing the ball to receivers that have within, uh, uh within one yard of them, a defender. And he was still 40th of 41 in terms of aggressiveness rate. So he needs guys that can get open. Now, Jamison Crowder can get open. Jordan Reed can get open. Chris Thompson can get open. The other guys are not separators. And that's what concerns me about Paul Richardson and Josh Doxson.
1: Evan, there are a few certainties on the Cardinals. David Johnson, very good at football and looks to be back to his old form. Again, it was just a wrist injury. It wasn't a lower body injury. Larry Fitzgerald, Mr. Consistent at wide receiver. What if I told you that the next player I'm most excited about in that offense is rookie seals Jones. I c- would completely agree. And I'm not saying he's going to be David and Joku or should go in that area, Evan. But if I miss out on all of the tight ends, he's the one I'm targeting. I'm in. And if you're enjoying this podcast at any moment, because that excitement that we're exuding, be sure to hit that subscribe button, rate and review it, share it with a friend. We appreciate it. Dallas and Carolina. Uh, Carolina's two and a half point favorites at home in this one, Evan, um, Dallas, you know, it's been an, an interesting preseason for them, offensive line injuries and possible issues. Uh, they don't have a true number one wide receiver. Michael Gallup has made some plays. I don't know if Alan Hearns really has it all. Uh, talk about the Cowboys and what you've learned from them, Evan.
2: Yeah, I don't have a single Cowboys receiver in my top one hundred and fifty. Obviously if I was going to take one, it would be Michael Gallup. But, I mean, I think they're going to use, like, a five-receiver rotation where they have Cole Beasley, they have Alan Hearns, they have Tavon Austin, Michael Gallup, Terrence Williams. They uh, still are trying to get something out of Deontay Thompson. That's six guys right there, okay? So that's not a fantasy situation to invest in, especially when you couple it with – them being the run heaviest team in football. I mean, I, I'm I don't even think that really these guys are worth late round picks. I mean, I don't think that any of these Cowboys receivers is gonna get over like seven hundred and fifty yards.
1: Okay, let's go to the Panthers. Evan, we've talked a lot about Christian McCaffrey in these podcasts this preseason on video. Uh, we just mentioned it that we'd take him over Saquon Barkley. To me the ideal start in drafts is Leonard Fournette and Christian McCaffrey. I'll throw on this statement, Evan, right now and I see him being drafted all the time. I don't think DJ Moore is draftable in your fantasy league. I agree. And he's still going in like round 10, round 11, something like that. They're just not using him with the starting lineup. I'm not saying that DJ right. Moore isn't going to be able to emerge this year. Right, but He's running behind Tory Smith, and he's running behind Jarius Wright. And in some situations, he's running behind Curtis Samuel. And it's, yeah, it's and not for, certain- for no reason. Right,
2: and he's certainly behind in the targeting pe- target pecking order, Devin Funches, Christian McCaffrey, and Greg Olson. So you're right. He's not draftable.
1: Quick thing with Christian McCaffrey, Evan, just to put in perspective why we like him so much is he averaged 12 touches per game last year while also leading the league in running back targets out of the backfield. So this team, I know they've said 25 to 30, but we've again mentioned 17 to 21 likely touches per game, sees more targets, sees more carries. And at worst, Evan, they're going to be more effective than they were running from tackle to tackle. And he's even shown improvements um, in terms of winning on contact this preseason as well. I'm all on Chris McCaffrey, but that's obviously not a surprise. And I actually really like what Ian Thomas has brought to this offense as well, Evan. Okay, let's go to yeah. Seattle. I just
2: can't wait for him to get like you know hurt in week five and then all the people to come out and say, I told you you couldn't hold up. I yeah. told you you couldn't hold up. Yeah, yeah okay. Okay. Start, start a website with, with doing injury prediction, please.
1: <laughs> Seattle and Denver uh, is our last four o'clock game. Uh, Denver, actually two and a half point favorites at home. Evan, Chris Carson, this is his backfield in Seattle. What say you about his outlook?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be a little iffy. I, they have run blocked pretty well so far in the preseason. I'm still a pessimist on that probably, though. Um, but it's definitely opened my mind to the possibility that they could be better than I anticipate. Uh, so that would be nice. But, uh, you know, I, I still am a little wary of them using Rashad Penny and CJ Pro size too. So um, not someone that I'm going out of my way to draft. He definitely has moved way up, you know, my my rankings and my, my draft board, but um, not really someone that I'm trying to aggressively target. I'd love Chris Carson though.
1: This is a off topic kind of, but I think it's a, a shame and a mistake that Brian Schottenheimer comes in and the first thing he talks about with CJ Procise is that he went back and watched that game against the Patriots a couple of years ago mm-hmm. where he was an absolute star because he hasn't done anything else as an NFL career since then. And I understand he might be a talented player, but like, that's the one game that's like, you know, mm-hmm. showing my basketball game when I was seven years old and draining threes. And then... <laughs> Every other time I've ever played oh, basketball, were, I can't you dribble. You were
2: draining threes
1: at age seven? No, I completely <laughs> made that up. Completely made that up. But it'd be the exact same thing as doing that. Uh, right. I love David Moore. I didn't Me know too. who David Moore was prior to this preseason, Evan, but I'm in love.
2: I didn't know what East Central, uh, open parentheses, <laughs> OK, closed parentheses was either.
1: No. And he looks really good. Contested catches, winning down the field. And we know that Seahawks uh, will play players that compete and win their uh, roles. And he might have done that. Let's go to Denver. Evan, Emmanuel Sanders at age 31, if he stays healthy, is going to absolutely feast in the slot this year.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, just couldn't agree more.
1: Because Adam Thielen and that connection he had with Case Keenum, whoever played in the slot last year with the Vikings at any point in time, played well. And Emmanuel Sanders is going to play that. Evan, I'm, I'm not... Necessarily in on Demarius Thomas, but it feels like I've never drafted him in basically any league Um, But the reason Sanders is going to play in the slot Correct me if I'm wrong was because Cortland Sutton is going to be out there on the outside And you talk about the tools that maybe can turn into talent to be a wide receiver one And it seems like universally in that organization, they feel like Cortland Sutton can do that
2: Yeah, and you know, it's interesting Demarius Thomas has been the subject of trade rumors this offseason now I remember looking at his cap situation and whether he would whether they could even move on from him. Um, I can't remember it off the top of my head. So I won't well, speak I, about I it.
1: I think he has a lot of guaranteed money this year, but it's like no guaranteed money next year. So that's why we all assume yeah. that both Thomas and Sanders would be cut after this year because they drafted Sutton and Deshaun Hamilton as well.
2: All right. That's fine. I mean, I like, you wouldn't be surprised if, if he gets moved if Demarius Thomas gets moved and you know, then people will adjust for that and say, oh, well, you know, now he's with this new quarterback. He could succeed. You know, receivers that change teams during the season or, like, leading right up into the season, they don't succeed with, with those teams. Um, that's That becomes a really, really, really bad bet. So Demarius Thomas is uh, – he made my uh, shy away 40 list, um, and he is not someone that I'm trying to get at all. Emmanuel Sanders very, very aggressively trying to get.
1: Quick thoughts on the Royce Freeman versus Devontae Booker. Royce Freeman is now going in the fourth round in many drafts, but it's been basically a 50-50 split here with Devontae Booker in the preseason.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, you know, Royce Freeman is, he, there have been times this preseason where he looks like a man among boys. And I think that they, they should have a good defense again. Um, I think that they are going to try to ride him and for him to be their bell cow. I know that the preseason split has been fairly even, but, I think that it's clear at this point that Royce Freeman is a better player than Devontae Booker.
1: Okay, just three more games left. Sunday night football on NBC. Chicago and Green Bay. Green Bay home favorites by eight points. To me, what stands out with Chicago, Evan, is Trey Burton's usage, especially what in that second or third pre, it was third preseason game, using all of the formation. And as soon as he was in, he was being targeted.
2: Yeah, it was their third because they played in the Hall of Fame game, and then they right. didn't play in their starter their starters in the fourth preseason game which if you listen to Chicago radio which by the way never listen to Chicago sports radio <laughs> i mean they they they're nuts man they they're absolutely nuts um they they thought this was like the biggest deal you know and they they put it in no context like they they it's like they pretend like there's only one team like uh-huh, they don't they it. don't look at the other teams you know oh guess what Sean McVay doesn't do it either you know it's like they they have no ability to put to, to use any kind of context because all they concern themselves are th- with the sports teams in one city. And I get the sense that that's actually really, really common. But anyways, I don't, what were we talking about? Oh, Trey Burton. Yeah. I think he's going to lead the bears in receiving this year.
1: Love it. And if we're listening to Matt Nagy, Jordan Howard is a bell cow back and I buy it. There we go. Green Bay, Jamal Williams. It's his backfield. Evan, As much as we saw Ty Montgomery have games last year, Aaron Jones have games last year, Jamal Williams have games last year, what stands out is when one is healthy and one proves himself as a starter, they stick with that starter. And Jamal Williams has shown that he has that role right now. So at least early in the season, he's going to enter the year as the lead ball carrier and it's his backfield.
2: Yeah, I think that in an ideal world, Jamal Williams is your... Uh, You're 70% back. And Aaron Jones, once he gets up to speed, he's your 30% back. And Jamal Williams is getting 17 touches per game. And Aaron Jones is getting like 9 to 11 touches per game. Almost like, and Jamal Williams is not like Devontae Freeman, but almost like a Falcons kind of split. Mm -hmm. Jamal Williams is going to lead this team in snaps and touches because the coaches trust him. Okay? He has not gotten in trouble off the field. He can pass protect he has stayed healthy. Those are three major edges that matter when it comes to doling out playing time from a coaching staff perspective. We see it over and over and over every single year. Doesn't matter that Aaron Jones averaged two more yards per carry last year than Jamal Williams. It matters what the coaches are going to do and who they're going to put on the field, and they're going to put Jamal Williams on the field.
1: Monday Night Football, the first one is Jets at Lions. Lions favored by six and a half points. Is there any trickle down here with Sam Darnold as a starting quarterback,
2: I think it's going to be kind of touch and go. I mean, I think that, you know, Robbie Anderson is going to open the season as kind of like a volatile guy who I think that Darnold is still going to be working on establishing a rapport with. I mean, you know, the deep threat guys aren't necessarily always the easiest guys to establish that rapport with. And that's Robbie Anderson's game. Um, Quincy Inunua was hurt for a lot of the preseason looks like Jermaine curse is not going to be ready for week one so their perimeter receivers in all likelihood week one are going to be Robbie Anderson and Terrell Pryor Hmm. with Quincy Inunua in the slot I kind of like that configuration man I mean if those guys can stay healthy and you know everything kind of breaks right for them they get a lot of speed on the outside and a guy who can rack up catches kind of like a a Jarvis Landry type in Quincy Nunwa in the middle of the field.
1: And if you're looking for middle-round running backs that seem to be locked in with touches and you know your Chris Carsons, your Peyton Barbers, your Adrian Pearsons go off the board, I'll throw out Bilal Powell in there as well. Agreed. Um, Speaking of running back touches, Evan, Kerryon Johnson had a nice start to the preseason, but this is a full-blown committee. I mean, you had anywhere from low 30s to 20% touches percent wise and, and snap wise from LeGarrette Blunt to Theo Riddick to Amir Abdullah and we'll see where that situation goes to carry on Johnson so this is not one to avoid necessarily but one that we just don't have enough information on right now
2: yeah I, I, I this was the first game that I jumped into for my week one matchups Colin went back looked at how many touches per game the Lions backfield averaged last season and it was 25.5 now they are going to average more this year because they want to run the ball more, and I think that they will have more success doing it. Their offensive line is pretty good. But it's been a, you know, something that they emphasized during the offseason. So I bumped them up to 28, went from 25.5 per game to 28 running back touches yeah. in week one as their projection. And I gave 14 to on Johnson, 8 to LeGarrette Blunt and six to Theo Riddick, like four catches and two carries for, for Theo Riddick. And I think that that's fair. I mean, I think that that is going to be my week one expectation. And look, it could very well be wrong and Kerry, on Johnson comes out and gets 17 and 19. I mean, that wouldn't surprise me. They used him so much in that week one game, and it was like they almost put him in bubble wrap the rest of the way. That actually could be a positive. We, we don't know for sure. Um, but that's how I'm going to project it. For week one, 14 touches for Carrion Johnson, eight LeGarrett Blunt, six for Theo Ridge.
1: And when you think of Lions starting wide receivers, you think of Golden Tate and Marvin Jones, but you also need to think of Kenny Galladay because I believe Jim Bob Cooter, since taking over as OC, leads the league in 11 personnel, three wide receiver sets. So Kenny Galladay is going to be out there as an outside player. Okay, let's close out, Evan, with the Rams and Oakland Rams on the road, three point favorites. Uh, Brandon Cooks goes super early. Evan, obviously, Ty Gurley does as well. Robert Woods and Cooper Cup, however, are available at all times, it seems like. How do you feel about those two?
2: I mean, I just like taking them whenever I can in the eighth and ninth rounds, for sure. You know, Me they're rock-solid picks who could elevate if, if another guy gets hurt. Hey, if, if Brandon Cooks goes down, then, you know, the other guys elevate and, and vice versa.
1: Let's close to that with the Raiders, Evan. This is the time to say it. Boomer bust player the last few years, is it now finally time for it to be the Amari Cooper show? I, I don't know. <laughs> I know. I don't know.
2: There's no other right answer. One thing that I think is interesting to note, though, so they had been using two guys with rotating with the ones and a slot, okay? Ryan Switzer, they trade him to the Steelers. Yeah. And then Griff Whalen suffers um, turf toe, and they – Uh, Release him with an injury settlement. So then I went and looked at well, who else is playing slot snaps for this team? And lo and behold, Amari Cooper, 25% of his routes in the slot. Uh, Jordy Nelson, only 16% of his routes in the slot. And Martavis, of course, never in the slot. So the next guy up theoretically could be Amari Cooper. I would love to see him in the slot. People who play DFS. Uh, Intensely will remember that he had that monster Thursday night game against Kansas City running uh, a season high number of routes out of the slot.
1: Thanks, Evan, and make sure to pour one out for the Griffer this weekend. Um, Again, (laughs) you can check out Evan's updated top 150 on RotoWorld. You can check out RotoWorld.com slash draft guide plus the season pass. I mean, it's constantly, constantly updating, and it also has abusing the default rankings. believe that Ray wrote up, so go and check that out. Again, the RotoWorld YouTube page, just search. Roto World on YouTube, and all those videos should help you out. And again, subscribe to this very podcast. Thank you so much for supporting us in the preseason. We'll see you all next week with at least, at least three podcasts. Talk to y'all soon. See ya.